as we go into fall. We keep swimming through more crap. I can't believe what the Jets and Giants did last week. What the hell was up with that? Daniel Jones looks like a rookie. Zach Wilson looks even worse. I don't know what the hell to do. Both football teams belong in ours. This is downtown sports. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. This is downtown sports. This is where sports come home. Both teams' seasons are dead. Dead. For the Yanks and the Mets? Well, the, the Giants oh, and the Jets. They've only played, dead. They played one game. Uh, and, the Jets were already, uh, the Jets, weren't they already uh, rebuilding? I mean, you know, Zach Wilson, you expect Zach Wilson to be Tom Brady in one game? I mean, those are very high expectations you have for uh, for a kid. I understand you're all trying to be positive. Listen, there's nothing positive about this football season except watching your quarterback, at least for you. I don't have anything positive to watch. I'm just going to watch Dave Gettleman's worst draft pick fail again. That's what I get to see. So that's what I get. So quick. We are a judge. Well, Well, Daniel Jones is garbage. I don't know. That's not judgment. Since we're at it, let's let's dive into week one in in the NFL for, for both of these quarterbacks uh, it's very interesting okay yeah let's start with the jets i'm gonna be polite with you on this one okay and i, I was okay. watching pieces of the game too okay okay yeah beginning of the game first half jets offense was terrible mm-hmm. offensive line couldn't protect zach wilson couldn't make throws on time got sacked the jet running game was awful jet o-line basically looked like what it did before the season began they hadn't really been playing together and it showed Beckton got hurt no Sadly, he did. Thankfully, it's not worse as we feared. It's an MCL sprain. So it's not out for the season, but he's out four to six weeks. Well, let's see. Uh, he threw for 258 yards, two exactly. touchdowns, and an interception. Yeah. I mean, look, in the second half, Zach Wilson played a lot better. He had Here's the thing. He completed under 60% of his passes. Again, first game for him. It was a Car- Carolina's defense was giving the Jets fits all day. Mm-hmm. Not like Sam Darnold really did any better. Darnold could have uh, also shown the Jets how big a mistake it was letting him go, and he didn't blow the Jets away. It's not like, you know, the Jets really actually shut him down in the second half. If the offense had done even a fraction of what they did in the second half, maybe the Jets win this game. Who knows? Well, let's see. Darnold completed almost 70% of his passes, 279 yards and a touchdown. He was held to that one touchdown that he threw, and otherwise he ran the other one in. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Jets, that was a missed opportunity for them. I'm not going to lie about that. It was. But again, this is a team that is rebuilding. Sala, new coach, new quarterback in Wilson. You're building an O-line that's really not played together yet. The running game still has to kind of find itself a little bit. Defense is young, too. Yeah. The Jets are the youngest team in the NFL. People don't really understand that. There's going to be mistakes before this team is good. What? Do you remember what uh, Ian Eagle said about Peyton Manning? Do you remember what his record was in year one? He had only like three, four wins for the first year. That's correct. And then he took off the next year, and then he got better. I think Zach Wilson will turn things around. I think he will get better. But you have to give the kid time. Here's the thing. Mm. You shouldn't be having Zach Wilson throw almost 40 times. Yeah, that's true. If the running game had been even 
a tick better than rushing for what 45 yards? That is correct. Yeah. Let me just let me just go through this, right? Yeah. Tevin Coleman, everybody's so happy. Tevin Coleman, right? Yep. Nine attempts for 24 yards, average 2.7 yards a carry. Ty Johnson, he did a little better. Four carries for 15 yards, 3.8 yards per carry, except he only had one 12 yard gain. And after that, it was only three yards on three attempts. Then Michael Carter goes four attempts for six yards. His longest rush was two. Well, again, O-line did not do a very good job in this game. Jets, it's very clear. The O-line didn't do their job. Again, this is a new line. A lot of new people are on this O-line. And now you're minus Makai Becton for four to six weeks. So you're moving guys on that O-line around. It's going to take it's going to take a few weeks for it to really click and gel. This is this is how it is with a young team. You go through growing pains. That's just how it is. Now, unfortunately, the Jets don't have a very easy hand being thrown at them next week. They're facing Matt Jones. Yep. I have a question, though. Yeah. Why was it that Denzel Mims only got one target this in that entire game? One pass, one reception, 40 yards, nothing else. That was towards when the Jets got their second touchdown. Yeah. Well, look at it this way. Look how many times Zach Wilson was sacked. Six times. Look how many incompletions he threw in the early going of the game. That maybe could have gone to Mims or could have gone to some other receivers. You have to think about that. Zach Wilson has things he has to learn. He's never played at this level in the NFL before. It's a different ball game from when you play in college. This is kind of a, an awakening all rookies kind of have to realize, and they're going to go through this. The NFL plays a lot faster. The plays are much quicker. And your decision-making has to be seconds, not minutes. That O-line doesn't buy you minutes. They buy you seconds. And the quicker you get rid of the ball, then you don't get sacked. Or if you get rid of the ball, as Wilson didn't do a lot, you're not going to be taking those hard hits and feeling whiplash at the end of the day. But you know what? At least the Jets were in that game. They were. At least they had, like, a chance. But it's hard. I want to know who didn't have a chance. Uh, I want to hear who didn't have a chance. Yeah, please. That would be the New York Giants. Because they made Teddy Bridgewater look like Peyton freaking Manning. Did they make him look like it or did maybe Bridgewater? uh, He's the product now of having weapons. He can throw the football to around him. And if Bridgewater has them and a running game, Melvin Gordon, 11 carries 101 yards. Now that last touchdown is what killed the giants when he burned him for 70 yards at the end. But other than that, I mean, well, you know, can we fault the giant defense in this game or, uh, you can a little bit because Javante Williams, 45 yards on 14 carries. Bridgewater ripped off 19 yards on three carries, right? And then Melvin Gordon had 101. Yep. So 28 attempts, 165 yards. Overall, they averaged 5.9 yards per rush from the ground with one touchdown. That's not very good. Yep. And then we're going to, and then we go to the Giants, right? Their longest run. Want to know how much it was? How long it was? Eight yards. By Mr. Daniel Jones. That's correct. You know Who what also I'm... had the most rushing yards in the game for the Giants? Yeah. Six carries for 27 yards. How do you have more? Than, 
How do you have more than Saquon Barkley? Well, Saquon Barkley had 10 carries for 26 yards. Why was Barkley average... carrying it 20 times? Why didn't Barkley have 20 carries with the ball? Well, because he only got 26 yards with 10 of them, so obviously it wasn't working. Mm. Let's see this. His longest run was five yards. Mm. Devontae Booker, four attempts for seven yards at 1.8 yards per carry. So overall, running the football, the Giants had 20 carries, 60 yards, one touchdown, an average of three yards per carry, and a long of eight. You know what was even more disturbing for me? Barkley, forget just running the ball, he barely factored into the offense either. He had only one catch for one yard. All right, that was him receiving the ball. One catch, one yard. He was only thrown two, three times. You figure your running backs like the playmaker of your offense, right? You know, he should get a get a lot more than maybe uh, three attempts. Should be getting maybe about you know a good six, seven catches, maybe, and run the ball about fifteen to twenty times in a game, roughly, right? True. The one thing the Giants had going for them was their receiving core wasn't doing too bad. Yeah. Uh, Sterling Shepard, though, seems to be Daniel Jones' favorite target, no matter what. Seven receptions, 113 yards, one touchdown. Slayton had a good game. Galladay had a okay game. That 17-yard catch was big. Um, after that, it was just like, you know, really spreading the ball around. That's really what it was. It was like, you know, one guy, Rudolph got two catches for eight. I didn't see chunks of this game, but was Daniel Jones doing what Daniel Jones did a year ago? Not making a accurate throws was he were, were there any of that was there any little glimpses of bad throws by jones in this one well his passer rating was 90.7 no picks mm-hmm. one touchdown mm-hmm. 254 yards uh only problem is his completion percentage was only slightly better than zach wilson's that tells me a lot. That does concern me because how many you know how many years now has Daniel Jones been in the league now? Four years, three years now. Yep, three years. By the third year, as a quarterback, you're supposed to have already really had you know not just had an idea of what you're going to bring to the offense, but you're supposed to have like this is where your real gut check year is. Like, have you are you good enough in the eyes that they're gonna that you're gonna be the quarterback of the future for the team? Are you have you done have you made the strides of limiting the turnovers? Have you done the strides of better completion percentage? Have we seen that again with Jones yet? Well, here's the one thing I will say I've seen. Um, no turnovers. That's a good start. For the first That's time. a really good start. Okay. okay. So. But where you know, was the giant defense that, you know, was supposed to be the cornerstone of this team, right? Like, well, didn't I didn't Iron Eagle tell us that they lost a lot of leadership in that secondary? Even though you got Logan Ryan to kind of anchor the secondary a little bit, you know, you had uh, you have a couple of your uh you, know, you have you have you keep Blake Martinez, you had you have peppers on the defensive line. You you had you still had some veterans there, some good solid leadership on the defense, and for them to give up twenty seven points to Teddy Bridgewater also didn't help. The Jones had a fumble in this game that he lost as well. That didn't help matters either. Well, yeah, so. no, not at all. Because uh, here's the thing with Daniel Jones: always a fumbler, always had that problem. 
And Can't why? hold on to the football. I don't know why. You could have had a session with Tom Coughlin on how to not fumble the football, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, he might have retired then. Well, Daniel Jones would have retired. He would have lost his smile like Tiki Barber did. Remember that? When you like everybody talks about when Shawn Michaels lost his smile. What about when Tiki Barber and Jeremy Shockey lost their smiles? Remember those? Yeah, but I'm I'm going to the point of Tom Coughlin was there. Did Tiki Barber fumble the ball after that? He had one fumble the rest of his career when Tom Coughlin taught him how to hold the ball. That's right. So maybe you figure Daniel Jones maybe could have gone out of his way, say, hey, Mr. Coughlin or any coach out there that, you know, maybe uh, has an idea how to not fumble the ball. Maybe I can teach me a better way to hold the ball so I don't fumble it out of my hand all the time. And, you know, you figure that's something to uh, that's something you want to learn how to get better at. Right. Not turn over the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then and then and then are you ready for this? Please. Want to know what two giants are questionable right now? Humor me. I, 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 let, I'll give you a guess. There's three in the Giants offense that are questionable right now. Let, let, let's have some guesses, Beast. Barkley. That's one. You gotta be kidding me. Slayton. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You get one more. Galladay. No. no? When, when you realize this, it's Evan Ingram. No surprise. Remained no. on the sidelines for Tuesday's walkthrough practice session. Did not practice. I wouldn't even want to throw the ball to Evan Ingram anyway. Well, he's supposed yeah. to be our star tight end. Saquon Barkley is from eight hours ago. Remained a limited participant in Tuesday's walkthrough practice. So he's not practicing fully. That's not good. And then Saquon has to play on. And then the Giants have to go and play on short rest. Yeah. Thursday against the Washington football team. Oh, yeah. That's going to go real well. And now you're facing Taylor Heineke. Not even you're not even facing Ryan Fitzpatrick now. I know, but Heineke showed you something in the playoffs that he could actually play a little bit. And he did hang in there in relief against Justin Herbert. So I will give him credit there where that's due. The Washington yeah, defense isn't a joke either. They, you know, they they went to the playoffs last year. And They're the best Young, defense in the co- in a, the division. Chase Young is a key anchor to that defense, ladies and gentlemen. You see, here's the thing. We, we said it at the beginning of the year. The Eagles were just no. Although Jalen Hurts, did you see that performance last week? Anyway, yeah. um. The Cowboys were all offense, no defense. The Washington football team was no offense at all, all defense. The Giants are somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, they're supposed to be this offensive juggernaut. That's what I keep hearing. And then I keep Cowboys. hearing that Daniel Jones is going to be this great quarterback. Yeah. And then the Dallas Cowboys, even despite losing on Thursday night last week, you see how dangerous they are when Dak Prescott is right. And now you are seeing the development of the second-year wide receiver in C.D. Lamb and the rest of that wide receiving core to go along with Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. And here's the thing. For Saquon Barkley to be the best running back in football, like everybody says he could be, Yep. having one run where you went five yards and four of those yards were with a defensive line on your back, 
and that was your longest run in 10 attempts out of 26 yards. I don't think he's been the same since his injury. Basically makes him a non-factor. He has not been the same since his injury. I think it took all whatever speed he had or explosiveness he had, and he's only playing with like maybe a, a fraction of it now. We don't know, but so far, not so good. He showed you he's got the strength. Yeah. But maybe he lost a step. Who knows? Maybe uh, the Broncos defense is no joke, like we were saying before. You know, nobody really uh, gave the Broncos defense that much credit. Well, the Jets are going to see the Broncos in a couple of weeks also. They're going to go to Denver to take them on. So we'll see how that matchup goes. I want to go overall very briefly, though, to uh, around the league for a, a bit and just talk about the other rookies uh, along with, Dan, with Zach Wilson that all kind of made their NFL debuts. The one good thing I'll say is, well, none of these rookie quarterbacks won their first game. Let's start with that. But each and every one of them scored a touchdown, whether by throwing or running. So every one of them got a chance to get their first touchdown. Even in limited action, if you were Trey Lance and Justin Fields, they at least scored one. Lance threw one, Fields ran one in. Okay. And then you had, obviously, Trevor Lawrence throw three touchdowns despite three picks. Zach Wilson threw two. Mac Jones looked very impressive. Uh, Ian Eagle even said Mac Jones was the best of the rookie class so far from what he's seen. Quarterback rating of 70 only for Trevor Lawrence thanks to those three picks. Only a 54% completion percentage, too. And this man had never lost a game in his life, right? Welcome to the NFL. It's going to be a lot of those L's you're going to take. Get used to him. He's playing under Urban Meyer. I wouldn't lose faith just yet. Urban Meyer is going to adapt to the NFL just as he did in college. He won in there for a reason. College coaches don't necessarily do well on this level. Just like coaches that are in this level don't necessarily do well at college level. We've seen quite a couple of them succeed at the the NFL level from college. We've seen a few of them make it. Look at at Pete Carroll. How many years he served in college before he came back to the NFL after he was there to begin with. Didn't have a good career. Went to college, came back, and now Pete Carroll wins games. Mac Jones, ready? 29 for 39. A completion percentage of almost 75. Almost 300 yards thrown. One TD, 102.6 quarterback rating. That was Mac Jones. Helps when you have a good O-line. It does. When you have a good O-line. That's what it is. And Again, for Zach Wilson, that's what's going to have to happen if he's going to be successful. He needs an O-line to block. If he... If he had the O-line blocking, Zach Wilson completes more than 20 throws. Maybe he has 10 less incompletions than what he had. Who knows? But we're again, all the rookies are going to go through a growing pain. It's going to happen to each and every one of them. Look at what happened to the Ravens this past Monday, not having their typical running game. No Dobbins, no Gus Edwards. And you saw what happened. Lamar Jackson had to do most of the running himself. Yep. And then he fumbled a couple throws, ended up losing the game. So just look around. You just kind of see it. You know, again, the, the Browns defense is still not good. Back came the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They have control of the game. Chiefs came back, beat the Browns. Doesn't get any easier for them either. Even the Buffalo Bills against the Steelers couldn't even crack 20 points. Josh Allen played a very atypical Josh Allen performance. It's because I drafted him on fantasy. It's not because you drafted him. By yes, it is. By the yes, way, yeah. me and the me and the I finally got the mouth into uh, fantasy football and, and, and building a fantasy team. I got him in. I got him in. I hate you all, by the way, for this. Uh, j- just letting you all know, I hate every one of you for this. 
All of you who have said, you should do fantasy, you should do fantasy, you should do fantasy. Guess what? Now I'm doing it, and I have a headache from it. Do you know what kind of trades I was offered? Oh, I, yeah, I don't think yeah. you want to know. Yeah, didn't I? I wouldn't uh... tell them on live air for fear of, of, of giving people aneurysms and strokes, okay? Maybe one of these weeks we're going to compile some of these really bad trades that we're all getting, and we're just going to present them to you. Maybe you could tell us about some of the horrible fantasy trades that you guys receive in your fantasy leagues because I swear to God, nothing could be worse than what I just saw the other day. Nothing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, one weekend's the foray of the NFL season, and we already saw some exciting games. We saw some very exciting debuts from the rookie quarterbacks. We we saw some uh, resurgences from some previous quarterbacks kind of trying to make a comeback. Mm-hmm. Look at Matthew Stafford since he's gone over to the Rams. Looks like a different quarterback now, ladies and gentlemen, from the days with the Lions. Not really different. More like he actually has players. You see, you put people with talent and skills around. Lions had skill and talent. They had Calvin. They had Megatron. That was the only skilled player that Matthew Stafford ever worked with in his I don't know how many years in Detroit. Well, and he's going and now he's on a Rams team that has uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. If only Cam Akers was healthy. Oh, my God. Magic, he could have done with Akers had he been healthy. Last uh, little thing, because you mentioned this in our uh, little group chat. Yeah. The AFC and NFC West both are undefeated. That incredible. That incredible. And the 49ers did what I said they would do. They beat the Lions, yes. They're gonna do more than just beat the Lions. They're gonna they're they might make a wild card. Seahawks look like they didn't miss a step. Okay, they do that always at the early point of the year. Kyler Murray looked very impressive. Okay, actually very impressive. He blew the Titans away, is what he did. Well, when you fall behind by a lot early, Tannehill has to do all the work. Look what happens. He's not used to doing that since he's been a Titan. He always I hand it off to Derrick Henry, barrel through the defensive line. So you see what happens, guys. That's how different it is. The Chargers look very good with Justin Herbert at the helm. I think they're only going to get better. We'll see where things go there. The AFC West looks really good. Bridgewater, Herbert, Carr, and Mahomes. And you know what? Both the AFC and NFC East had a very, very bad showing. Only the Dolphins one out of that division. That's only because they played New England. Otherwise, all four in the West, in the East could have lost. Yep. And uh, let, let's just go through. Uh, let's just go through really quickly. Only the Dolphins. Only the Dolphins. Yeah. I'm just making sure because that's almost impossible. Oh, no, no, no. The Eagles won as well. Yeah. So that was the have- other shocking thing. The Eagles won. And you want to know how the Eagles won? This is the best, and then we'll go to break off of this. This is how the Eagles won. They played a Falcons team that just didn't show up. They scored six points in the first half, and that was it. By the time the first half was over, uh, Philly was up 15-6. to And here's how they did it. Everybody rated him the worst of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Are you ready? Yep. Jalen Hurts, 27 of 35. 
264 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Miles Sanders running the ball, 15 carries, 74 yards. Jalen Hurts rushed it 77 times for 62 yards. Averaging almost nine yards a carry. Pretty incredible. And Hertz put it and Hertz spread the ball all around. There were one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four. It was 32 six. Yeah, 32 six. They blew the. No, 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 no. It was five receivers that had more than two catches. And yep. there was not a person that didn't have only one reception. Well, that tells you when you have when you utilize the playmakers that you have, and they're all capable of catching the football, then the quarterback's job is ten times easy. Ten times as easy. Pretty simple. So yeah. So yeah. We're gonna see a lot of change as we go forward with the NFL season. So the West, both AFC and NFC off to a pretty good start. The NFC South is off to a very good start. Three of the four teams, minus the Falcons, are unbeaten right now. Yeah. Before we go to break, we have a little bit of house business to do, right? Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to the Digital Market Battle Special mm. with uh, Mr. Jelly Roll, you're going to want to. Jelly Roll Dalton, one of the great defensive tackles, Super Bowl winning defensive tackle, I might add. Yes. The Baltimore Ravens back in 2001. You need to go stop listening to this, right? Go to that episode and listen to that because that's got some very deep stuff, very important stuff that I think a lot of people need to hear. When we come back, Major League Baseball top 10. It's coming down to the wire, folks. And the Mets and the Yanks aren't in a good place. About two weeks to go, guys. Back after this. Oh, thank you. Right now it's 10 o'clock at night on the 14th of September. And Jairus Familia does what he does best. Gives up leads. Mets are down 4-3. Reds just lost. Mets are three and a half out of the wild card. Could have... uh, Jumped ahead, jumped to two and a half back with two weeks to go. Could have actually made themselves do something with Jarris Familia. Uh, doesn't look good here, guys. It really doesn't look good. Maybe the Mets are back. back. We'll see. We're not, no, they're not. I don't believe. Everybody tells me, oh, believe in the amazing Mets. I'm a Mets. I fan. thought the fans always said you got to believe, right? Yeah, we have to because we're fans of the team. That that, that that's the uh, psychological torture that they've put on us for all these years. This is downtown sports. We're back on the mouth of the South, John Shivoni, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. I'm sorry about that little bit of a you know. I'm a little bit of a fan. I'm upset. I'm upset because my team hasn't been on this top ten list in about seven weeks. Well, I mean, I thought the Nets were going to gain the emotional win over the Yankees in that Subway Series just a couple of days ago. I mean, Yankee season looked like it was over. Well, now you guys are at least coming back up, right? 
slowly but surely. Uh, well, you're playing the Twins. That'll help. Well, I didn't think, and we, the Yankees fell behind 5 nothing early. I thought that game was over. The Yankee offense wasn't scoring. I was already shaking it's my twins. head. It's the I Twins. Turn off, I, I don't even listen to the rest of the game, and then I turn it back on. I see the ball game tied at 5. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. And then the Yanks won in a walk-off. Yep. But right now, the Yankees at least are making up for what they didn't do against the Orioles. They're blowing them out 7-1 to one in the top There you of the go. Night. Very good. But got to hang on for three more outs. You know, and again, it's only one game. It's the Orioles. You have to, you still have to blow this team away. Good news for the Yankees. The Blue Jays lost today. They got shut out by Tampa. That's good. On their home, on their home turf. That, that is very good. We're going to keep, I'm going to keep you guys abreast of this Mets situation while we go through the Jays top the 10. Yankees win tonight. They pass the Blue Jays for the first wild card. It's only, just... game, it's only half a game separating pretty much the first, second, and the team outside the wild card in the Red Sox. Oh, great. And by the way, Trevor May has two runners on base now. Yeah. That's just great. Well, That's just great. All right. I love well, how we're see. talking about a Mets team. Two hours they made in this game, too. Yeah. So they can't field. Only four hits. They can't hit. They can't field. And now this. Well. Let's go. Let's go through now the the meat of our second half, and that is our MLB top ten. Yes, and we're going to dive into the teams right now as we're getting down the home stretch, final two weeks of the season to go. It's amazing how quick time flies. The top ten, as always, is provided by our researcher Tony Mainville. I want to thank him as always for providing these top tens for us. And let's begin with the team at number ten. And we do have a little change at the bottom. It's the Atlanta Braves who are now number 10 on the top 10. That's not a change. They've been no, here for like, a while. Like, you know, the Blue Jays were there last week. Now the Braves are 10. It's, oh, well, the Braves are ninth. That's right. They went down. Okay. They went down a notch. So they're 10 now, the Braves. But still, Atlanta is still there. Freddie Freeman continuing to lead this Braves team, hitting nine for his last, for 24 of his last six games. Charlie Morton, sixth in the National League with 192 strikeouts and the Braves are pretty comfortably ahead in the NL East at this point well I mean it's it's a good lead I mean it's not like they're uh they haven't really they're four and a half games ahead of the Phillies they're four and a half yeah they're four and a half up on Philly that is true I'll be honest like uh you're in a situation here if you're Atlanta where you win a few more games you could lock this division up and if it makes the world feel better the Phillies are losing six three well, the Braves are losing 5-2 right now. Yeah, so. But it doesn't hurt either of them, no matter what happens. But Atlanta Braves, always very dangerous. It's incredible, again, how they've done this without Ronald Acuna and without Mike Soroka. It's incredible. Al- Ozzie Albies, Freeman, here and there, uh, Dansby Swanson, different people in the lineup have contributed to the Braves this year. And that could be that's a very big difference if they win the East because of that. You know, something a lot of teams don't have sometimes is other people can step up and fill the other's shoes. Let's go to the next team on the top 10. And, well, this is interesting. At number nine is the Yankees. Mm. They were near, near the bottom. They were not even on this top 10 a week ago. Now they're back on at number nine. Giancarlo Stanton, eight for 21 over his last five games, hitting 381. Eric Cole is second in the American League in ERA. Aaron Judge is the reason you guys are still involved in anything at this point. Just, just just putting that out there. You know, it's been incredible. A lot of people weren't sure how Judge health-wise, how he was going to be throughout a year. Judge has been healthy this year. Yes, he has been. He's hinted he cut down on all the weightlifting he was doing. 
taking kind of going away from that a little bit. And you know what? It's lessened injury. It's allowed him to stay fresh. Yes, it has. And do you know what? 293, 33 home runs, 82 RBIs. Doing the thing. 65 walks. That's cool. So he's definitely learned how to have a more patient approach. In fact, Judge homered today. So he has 34 home runs on the year now. And yeah, his approach to plate has been better. I've noticed Judge isn't trying to swing for the home run every time. Now you're seeing him. Uh, and I'd like he to take though. the ball the other way. That's what a lot of Yankees need to actually learn how to do is take what the pitcher gives you. Um, let me just say this. He has own he I know only 141 strikeouts sounds ridiculous, but in today's major leagues for a power hitter, that's not bad. He might clock in at under 200 strikeouts this year. Considering, yeah, 200 or so is what he averaged in the past. So he's definitely changed his approach, and it's helped him tremendously. But we'll have to see now. The Yankees did dig a deep hole after they had lost seven in a row. We'll see if they can rebound from that. They do have some winnable games coming up on their schedule, including an upcoming homestand that will include the Indians and the Texas Rangers. Well, now the Guardians. Remember, after after this year, the Indians are going to be the Guardians next year. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get used to the last couple of uh, games where we can call them the Cleveland Indians. Well. I'm just going to keep it at that. Enjoy it while you can. But let's go to number eight on our top 10. And it's a team that's been red hot of late. The Toronto Blue Jays have moved up to the number eight spot on the top 10. It's incredible how dangerous this Blue Jays team is. You, you felt I, like I knew about two years ago when I saw the young trio that came up. When I saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr., when I saw Bo Bichette, I knew those two were going to be good. I never expected this good. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could possibly win a triple crown this year. He might even take the MVP away from Shohei Otani this year. If, a few the weeks ago, make the, if the Blue Jays make the playoffs, it, it, it should. He should have the MVP if the Blue Jays make the playoffs. The whole Blue Jays team up and down are one of the top home run hitting teams in the league. 45 home runs for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 39 home runs for Marcus Simeon. And this is, a, this is not even with a healthy George Springer. That's scary. Yep. Springer was healthy. That's another 25 home runs in that lineup right there. Maybe 30 there for him if you were, you know, knowing Springer. Let's that's see. George Springer has 17 home runs this season. That's from all the injuries, and he still has almost 20. Yep. That's Only 229 at bats, 17 home runs, hitting 258. It's really incredible. The whole, the whole lineup, and you have to give credit where it's due. Charlie Montoyo has done a tremendous job with this crew. He's really gotten the guys to buy into the ways of winning. And the Blue Jays made a lot of good moves in the offseason. They got stronger in the trade deadline. I can tell you, if not this year, they're going to be the biggest threat in the American League East next year. Does their manager get manager of the year? If the I Blue think he Jays does. Makes playoffs? I'm not even sure very soon the Rays could challenge the Jays. I'm not even sure the Rays with their, with their great brand of pitching and stuff can shut this team down. Well, they well, did today. Today they did, yes. But, but Barrios Toronto, also pitched very well. But Toronto, ladies and gentlemen, they've arrived on the scene now in the American League East. 
They're now a team to be feared. In a couple yes, years, I think this team could very much be a division winner. Let's not go that far. But I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be very dangerous, guys. Even they could give the Red Sox a run for their money. They've shown they can. They've challenged that. The Yankees have trouble with the Blue Jays. The Rays have had trouble with the Jays. So if they have trouble with this team, you imagine every other team that has to play them. That's true. You're you you are telling the truth. And I'm just looking up and down their lineup. Randall Gratchuk has 22 home runs, 81 yeah. RBIs, is hitting 251 and and 482 at bats. There are no weak spots in this lineup. Tiasco no, there aren't. hitting 307, Bichette hitting close to 300, Guerrero hitting 315, Simeon hitting 270, Gurriel Jr. hitting 285. The weakest hitter in today's lineup was was Springer at 258, only because he's had injuries. Yep. Springer hits 280. So the weakest hitter would be hitting 260, would be hitting 260. Yeah, and, and then look at their catching core. Their catching core is even hitting. Alejandro Kirk at 143 at-bats, right? Yeah. Very young player. 273, eight home runs, 24 RBIs. Let's check out their other catcher, Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen, 220, 150 at-bats, but eight home runs, 19 RBIs. Again, so they're actually hitting. Yeah. They're actually getting production out of the catcher spot, unlike the Yankees. Well, I mean, Gary Sanchez, you know, does what he's able to do when he's on. Gary Sanchez, to me, looks like the next player that... Remember a guy by the name of Ike Davis? Mm. I think Gary Sanchez is going the way of Ike Davis. He came in, lit the world on fire in his first year, and then then after that did absolutely nothing. I think that's what we've got with Gary Sanchez here, and that's going to be the death nail in the Yankees' chances of winning anything. They need to get another catcher. Well, we'll see if they think about that. Let's go to number seven on the top ten. It's the Boston Red Sox. Yep. Raphael Devers. Third in the American League with 102 RBIs. Nathan Avaldi tied for sixth in the American League with a 3.57 ERA. But again, that's been the only real eh, bright spot for the Red Sox other than the return of Chris Sale. Red Sox bullpen's not been good. The Red Sox lost again last night to the Mariners. A couple errors hurt them. Right now the Red Sox find themselves a half game out of the wild card now. Yankees passed them the other night. So exactly why are they higher on this list? Well, in the long run, the Boston lineup itself can hit better than anyone. When they are when their hitting is on, they're they're one of the most dangerous run scoring teams in the league. If the pitching was even a fraction uh, as good as their hitting, who knows where the Red Sox would be? They were dominating the East early on, and then just the wheels came off in the second half of the season from the All Star break. Incredible how far the wheels came off. Red Sox now find themselves in fourth place. For now, it's only by half a game, but yeah, fourth place is where they are right now. By the way, Yankees uh two and eight in their last ten. Boston four and six in their last ten. Toronto eight and two in their last ten. And that's why we are where we are today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's why baseball's unpredictable. Let's go to number six on the top ten. It's the Chicago White Sox. Jose Abreu leading the American League with 107 RBIs. 
The White Sox have continued on a tear this year. Now to get a little shot in the arm, they got back Tim Anderson and they got back Lucas Giolito back into their crew. So now the White Sox have Lance Lynn just came back the other day from injury as well. So now the White Sox have their full starting pitching back. So now they can go back to terrorizing the American League Central and possibly still being that threat that we believe they can be come playoff time. The only problem that I perceive for this uh, White Sox team is the fact that, you know, they really haven't done it at this level before. This group of White Sox has really not done it at that that level as of yet. They need to go and prove it in the playoffs. Um, Five and five out of their last 10 games. They've been very pedestrian for the past month, recovering from injury. I'd say six is about where they should be. It's about where they should be. Well, not where they should be, but. Well, no, they should be better than that as a roster, as a team, but. Again, they play in a bad, they play in a terrible central division. It's, it's... They're 12 games up on their closest competitor here. Yeah, tells you a lot. Let's go to our number five team on the top 10. It's the Houston Astros. Kyle Tucker's hitting 524 over his last six games, 11 for his last 21. Lance McCullers is third in the American League with a 3.12 ERA. The Astros have kind of been up and down the second half of the year. Right now, they, uh, well, right now they're losing 8 nothing to Texas. Wow. But here's the thing. The Astros have all but sewn up the West. They're about well, they're going to lose tonight, so they're going to be six games ahead of the Mariners. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I really don't like, if you look at their splits, they're good at home. They're good away from home. They play well no matter where they go. They have this AL West locked up. Astros are one of these teams where you just got to see it when it comes playoff time. Because if they get into the dance, you know they can't. You know, they can actually, you know, go to a World Series, win a World Series. Yes, even without garbage cans and wiring and all that, they still have the potential to win a World Series. So I would take a look out for them. I really and it's kind of sad how the A's fell off the way they did, because um, they were actually challenged. They were like, what, one game back, two games back at one point. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. The struggles. That game they blew to the Blue Jays when in Toronto, that series they lost to the Jays about two weeks ago, that could be the death nail in the coffin for them. It's pretty incredible, man. Momentum shifts in baseball. Momentum shifts quickly, violently perhaps, unpredictably. Well, for baseball, this is actually very violent with the shifts. I mean, uh, let's be real here. We were talking about how many weeks ago were we talking about the Mets were, uh, you know, going to run away with the NL East. Nobody was going to catch them. They're six games up. They're five games up. They're four games up. No one's catching them. No one's going to catch them. And look at where they are now. Yeah, really incredible. Let's move up to the next team on the top 10. Number four are the Milwaukee Brewers. Avisail Garcia leading the offense with 27 home runs and 82 RBIs. Corbin Burns second in the National League with a 2.25 ERA. He just threw a combined no-hitter with Josh Hader just the other his last start. Ninth no-hitter in Major League Baseball this year. Record. 
really tells you just how good the Brewers are when you're able to shut teams down with the way they pitch and just the timely hitting this team has. They pitch, they hit, they have veterans in this lineup. Yep. They have guys like Yelich, who guys like Jackie Bradley Jr., Lorenzo Kane. That outfield is stacked. Then you add guys like Urias at short, mm-hmm. and you got yourself a team. And nobody's really nobody really paid attention to the Brewers, but this is a team that could come out of the National League. Don't think that they can't compete with the Dodgers. Don't think they can't compete with the Giants. In fact, the Brewers seem to be very good at defeating the Giants. Yes. Right now, actually, the Brewers are tied 0-0 in a uh, battle at the top of the eighth inning with the Detroit Tigers. They only have gotten three hits today. And Freddie Peralta is now out of the game. He had nine strikeouts, only gave up two hits in six innings. Game had been delayed uh, by rain for a little bit. So, you know, little things like that played a role. But, yeah, the Brewers are dangerous, and they're going to stay dangerous as we get toward the end of the season. They're about to be the fourth nine. Tonight, they might become the fourth 91 team in baseball. Let's go to number three in the top ten, Tampa Bay Rays. Nelson Cruz hitting 464, 13 for his last 28, four home runs, nine RBIs over his last six. The Rays have been dangerous. We've talked about them. They don't need, they can go on stretches where they score a lot and they don't need to. They just have a good, solid team, guys that are ready to play every day. They're the top team in the American League. They're the only team in the American League that could possibly win 100 games. Um, everybody else in the AL is 84, 82 wins, 80 wins, 70 something wins. Mm-hmm. The Rays are the only team that have proven themselves elite in the American League this year. Everybody else has flaws, everybody else seems to have deficiencies or inconsistencies. They can't they can't play well after they go on a big run. They always give it up, give it back. Look at the Astros. Look at the Yankees. Look at the A's. All these teams that were supposed to be so good. And here's Tampa trading away pieces at the deadline again. And look at where they are. Incredible. Let's go to number two on the top 10. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mookie Betts now hitting 409 over his last seven games, nine for 22. Oh, they were waiting for him to wake up. Yeah, Max Scherzer, 5-0 and with a .66 ERA over his last six starts. He almost had a perfect game in his last outing against the Padres. Held him to one hit. Unreal. Unbelievable. Mad Unbelievable Max. how good that team is. Mad Max. But do you know what? It's more unbelievable as the team that's number one. And by the way, not only number one, they're the first playoff team in officially. They clinched the playoff spot the other night, the San Francisco Giants. 529 is what Brandon Belt has been hitting over his last four games. Logan Webb, 5-0 and with a 2.14 ERA. The Giants have been one of the biggest surprises in the major leagues this year. Period. You know something? You know something? Just look at the players they've got on this team now. 
look at the way that they've uh, look at the way that they've rebuilt that roster. Look at the way that Gabe Kapler has been managing. And, you know, you look at the Giants roster and it's like, here are the stars of yesteryear and other teams cast offs like guys like Wilmer Flores, guys like Evan Longoria, like Brendan Belt. Others, uh, Gossman, even with the great season he's having, he was thrown out of Baltimore. They couldn't wait to get him out of there. Then um, Johnny Cueto is another guy. That's it. Look at all these people that you didn't know where they went. You didn't know what was going on with them. And it's like basically the San Francisco Giants are the Major League Baseball's version of Sandlot. They buy into a philosophy and they've made it work. That's what makes the Giants so unique. And why and with the core veterans that they had from their last three World Series still there to help further guide them along. That's just a great benefit to have. And, and it allows you had guys like Longoria, like Posey, Crawford, Brandon yep. Belt. It helps to have veterans to help guide the kids along. And then you bring in a guy like Chris Bryant to lead the charge. Giants, if they can hold on and take the America, the National League West, I don't see who's going to get through them. I don't see who's going to beat them in the playoffs. The Brewers might be able to. That that that's the one team I would give a shot to. There, here's the thing for the Giants: they need that division more than the Dodgers do. The Giants need that division because you don't want to take that team. Yes, they have. A lot of guys on this team that bring it all on the line in a wild card game. Yeah, I don't think that the Giants are prepared for that tense one game type situation just yet. I think it's important for them to win that division because the Reds are super hot right now. They've been for a while. That's why they're in the position they're in at this point. If I were the Giants, I wouldn't want to play a Reds team that's been hot all since August, climbing back into contention. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to face that team in a one-game playoff. I wouldn't want to do it. If I was the Giants, I'm going to do everything I can to lock this division up. Because then, if you lose your first playoff game because you have a bunch of you have nerves or whatever. It's not going to cost you your entire season. Remember, as much as they do have the veterans that have been through the battles and won the world championships, they also have a bunch of young guys that really don't know what they're doing on the stage. Let's see so, what happens. Let's see what happens with these giants when we get to the fall classic. That will be coming up very soon. But for now, that's going to wrap up this edition of Downtown Sports. I want to thank. Tony Mainville for the MLB Top 10. As always, you can listen to Downtown Sports on 14 different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Pod Day, Listen Notes, Podcast Addict, and Verbal. Rants, episodes, digital market battle, specials, every Tuesday, Wednesday. We are downtown sports, and we are where sports come home. I want to thank our producer, Girl Friday, Tanya Williams. I want to thank our statistician, Krista Large. Next week, the return of the NFL. 
top 10. Football is back. We're going to find out who the top teams in the league are. I want to thank Tony Manville, a researcher for these MLB top 10s that he keeps giving us. For the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, saying we're out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.